take me just a moment to to get connected on Thursday night I was sitting in my bedroom in a chair that I have and I was still wondering Lord what what do you want me to preach on on Sunday and really wasn't sure and until my wife started talking to me and men you know how we do oftentimes our wife starts talking and and we're listening but we only hear half of what they say come on guys help me out and so she 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 made a statement and even now I don't remember what that statement was and somebody can relate and so but when she said it it took my mind back to the text that we're reading from today several weeks ago I was reading in the book of first Kings and that's where our text is this morning in the book of first Kings, we'll be reading in verse number one and so my mind quickly went back to the text in 1st Kings chapter 20 and I began to linger there for a moment and I thought well Lord maybe maybe this is what you want me to share and preach from and and then even yesterday as I tried to finalize put the icing on the cake if I could say it that way to what I'm going to preach today I do believe though that for somebody I have a word for you and I pray that it will it will minister to you and that it will have the effect on you that I feel as though the Lord would have. And if it doesn't work, it's my wife's fault. No, I'm just kidding. But in the book of First Kings, we'll be reading one verse in the chapter, chapter twenty verse number one and then we'll jump down to verse 23 if you have it say amen the word says and Ben-Hadad the king of Syria gathered all of his host and there were 30 and two kings with him and horses and chariots and he went up and besieged Samaria. Scripture says that he had to go up. And he went to Samaria. And he warred against it. Verse 23. It says, And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. You may be seated. Our text this morning is found in the book of the Kings, volume 1 better known as First Kings. The two books that comprised the book of Kings were originally a single book. They are the 11th and 12th books of the Hebrew or the Old Testament. Many biblical scholars believe that these two writings are the conclusion of a period of time that was promised to Israel all of the way back in the book of Deuteronomy. If you have read and studied the book of Deuteronomy, you know that it is the second giving of the law of Moses. It is the preparation of the children of Israel to go into the land that God had promised his people. He had promised the land not only to the children of Israel, but way back in Uh, Genesis to Abraham he promised it to his son Isaac and also 
to his son Jacob. And now we see in the book of Deuteronomy that this promise that was given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob was about to come to pass. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses giving the second uh, giving of the law is preparing the children of Israel to go into this land that God had promised them. We understand that it was a covenant that was established with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. It was a covenant relationship that was established with his people. This covenant was established between God and his people, but first of all, it was contingent on their obedience to his word. And so as we get that in our mind and we understand the second giving of the law and the children of Israel about to go into the land that God had promised them. As we uh, go back and we reflect and understand that all of that was contingent on their obedience to uh, the word of the Lord. We understand that not only was the benefit of, uh, of having relationship with God, but there were other benefits. The children of Israel had uh, wandered in the wilderness for over 40 years. We understand that they spent time in Egypt as slaves to the Pharaoh, and now God brought them out. He took them by way of the Red Sea. He took them uh, to a mountain, and Moses went on top of that mountain and brought back down the word of the Lord and the commandment of the Lord. And we understand through their disobedience and their failure to trust uh, the Lord that now they had to wander around and, and they had to wait before they went into this land that God had promised them until a whole generation passed. But there were benefits. You got to imagine that they wandered around. They were a nomadic people. They did not have a land of their own. They did not have a home of their own. They did not have all of the things that we would think of a nation would have, but they were just a wandering people, and now they're about to go into the land that God had promised. In Deuteronomy 8 and 1, it says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that you may live, and that you multiply, and that you go in and you possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Verse number 6 says, Therefore shalt thou keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to fear him. There is a benefit when we are obedient to the word of the Lord. Verse number 7, he says, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. It is a land of brooks and of water. And this is what I like. It says, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. And so I want to talk to you today about the God of the hills and the valleys. God of the hills and the valleys. And so Moses expresses to us that there were fountains and depths that were going to spring out of both the valleys and the hills. He goes on and says that the land that God has promised you is a land of wheat and barley. It is a land full of vines and figs and pomegranates. It's a land of oil and olive oil and honey. It is a land that there shall be no scarceness of bread. There is a benefit when we are obedient to the word of the Lord. And he tells the children of Israel that there shall not lack anything in it. But then he tells them, he says, when thou hast eaten, when thou art full, when thou art blessed of the Lord for the good land wherein he has given thee, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and judgments and statutes which I command thee this day. And say in thy heart, my own power and my own hand hath gotten me this wealth. 
And so this is a reflection of the people that we're looking at in the scriptures today. It is a people who have a God who loves them, who is concerned about them, who has given them a land that is without scarceness. It is a land full of oil. It is a land full of wheat. It is a land full of barley. There are houses that they were going to possess that they did not build. There were going to be vineyards that they did not plant that God was going to give unto them. This is the people that we are preaching about today. The book of Kings today, as we open up, uh, is found in the final days of David the king. Now remember, if you, if you know your, your Old Testament, if you know the history of Israel, it was not God's design for Israel to have a king. But Israel decided we want to be like everybody else. We want to be like all of the other nations of the, of the earth. And we want a king. And so they sought for a king. And here we have David in the final days of his kingdom. The book of Kings is, is beginning here in his last days. And it moves quickly through David's ending of his life. And it moves quickly through the coup of one of his sons, Adonijah who decided that he was going to sit upon the throne. It moves quickly uh, for Solomon being established as the king, and he sits on uh, the throne of his father, David. And then we see, after a few chapters, a transition going from Solomon to his son, Rehoboam, who becomes king. And then we see a shift, and we see a change in Israel. All of a sudden, Rehoboam sits on the king and he fails to take uh, the counsel of uh, the elders in his life. And he decided that he was going to be harder on the people than even his father. There was a reason why God didn't want his people to serve and to live under a king. And now we see Rehoboam who sits on the throne and he decides that he is going to be harder. He's going to be rougher. He's going to tax God's people more. He's going to require more of them. And because of this, we see the kingdom all of a sudden is fractured. And ten of the tribes of Israel decided we're not going to put up with this Rehoboam and, and, and we're going to establish our own kingdom. This kingdom led by a man named Jeroboam, not Rehoboam. His name was Jeroboam. And Jeroboam sits on the throne and he establishes Samaria as the capital. And so starting from Rehoboam and Jeroboam, we begin to see God's people as two different nations, as two different people, one led by the king of Israel, the other led by the king of Judah. And we understand that the king of Judah were those that descended from David because God promised David because of his life and because of his service to him that on the throne there was always going to be a descendant that came from David's lineage. And so today we open up in our text and we see where the Bible says that the king of Syria, he is, uh, he's decided that he's going to get 32 kings and all of their armies and he's going to come up against Samaria. This, these ten tribes, the kingdom of Israel, those that came from Jeroboam after he sat on the throne and all of those kings that came after him. And so the king of Syria decided, I'm going to go and I'm going to besiege the city. And so here's a picture of where we are and, 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 and how we have, have come to this place. Jerusalem remained the capital of the kingdom of Judah. Those that were led by David's descendants. And Samaria was the uh, established capital of the kingdom of Israel. Those that were originally led by Jeroboam and those that were descendant and those that, that sat on the throne after him. And so as we 
open up the text today and as we look at the scriptures, here's the situation that we find Israel in. And if you go back and you study the history of both Judah and Israel, we see a steady spiraling down of their relationship with the Lord. And the Lord told them that when you, when you take the land that I have promised you, be careful not to do the things that the other kingdoms or the other nations or the other people did that lived and that dwelled in the land. There were those that dwelled in the land that they would offer up their children, the scripture even says. They would take their children and they would offer them as sacrifices and, and, and pass them through the fire, the scripture says. And they would often, they would, they would plant groves and they would lift up idols and they would worship uh, gods that were not their God. All of the things that God told them that they were not to do, they found themselves doing. And we see this steady spiraling down, spiraling down. And, 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 and then every now and then you would find a king that would d d turn back and he would tear down the groves and he would tear down the idols and, and he would cause the people to turn their attention to the Lord again. We see the battle between uh, Elisha, Elijah and all of the prophets of Baal. And here we find Syria besieging. The scripture, uh, not the scripture, I, I was doing some reading and some studying. Some scholars say that early kings, ancient kings, would try to overwhelm uh, their enemies. And what they would do is for cities like Samaria, they would take these large armies and they would gather them around and they would besiege a city and they wouldn't allow any to come out and they wouldn't allow any to go in. And you can read it oftentimes in the Old Testament where uh, those cities were being besieged and, and the people within those cities would, would suffer from, from starvation at times and there would be hunger and, and all of those things were going on and all of a sudden the king of Syria decided that I'm going to besiege Samaria. I'm going to come with 32 kings and, and we're going to come against Samaria. We're going to come against the kingdom of Israel. We're going to come against God's people. And so the scripture says, you can read it in the 20th chapter, he sends messengers to Ahab. How many of you know who Ahab is? Ahab was a wicked king. He was a king who was married to a woman whose name was Jezebel. And just, just a few chapters before we see the battle between Elijah and the, the, the prophets of Baal, we see the battle between Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel. We see the prophecies that come against Ahab and all of the things that were going to happen to Ahab. But even in the midst of all of that, trouble and all of that sin and all of the things that was going on God still was faithful to his people God was faithful even in his sinful state even in his desire to he was a idol worshiper he was one that did not serve God. He was one that did offer it up to idols. He was one that did not serve the Lord. But even in the midst of that, God was going to deliver Israel. And so the king of Syria comes. He sends messengers. The scripture says, and he tells Ahab, he says, Now Ahab, I want your wives. I want your children. I want your silver. And I want your gold. It is amazing to me that Ahab says, whatever you want, you can have. And those messengers go back to Ben-Hadad and they share with him. Ahab says that you can have whatever you want. You can have the silver. You can have the gold. You can have my wives. You can have my children. This is the condition of Israel where they would just willingly give up everything to the enemy. I want to say to you today, we've got to be careful on who's sitting on the throne of our lives.
you've got to know who's sitting on the throne of your heart. What is ruling and reigning in your life today? It matters who you serve. It matters what you serve. It matters what you do in this life. It matters what you do in the morning time. It matters what you do in the evening time. Is it just money? Is it just success? Is it just family? Is it just friends? Is it just entertainment? What is it in your life? What sits on the throne of your heart? And so Ahab, he's serving other gods. He's serving idols. And, and, and when the enemy comes, and, 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 and I guarantee you, in all of our lives, the enemy is going to come at some time. There's going to be a besiegement in your life at some time or another. And it is during those times it is important that you serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It matters when that day comes who sits on the throne of your heart because the enemy is going to come. And I don't want you to be afraid. This is not one of those messages where you need to be afraid of, of what's going to happen, doom and gloom. But all of our lives, it's just called life. Life happens to each and every one of us. And at some point in your life, the enemy is going to come and going to surround you. And there's going to be seemingly no way to, to go out. There's going to be seemingly no way for anybody to come in and to give to you or to do something for you. But it is in those times. See, it's in those times in your life when, when, when you're serving other things. It is in those times in your life when, when there seems to be a besiege in your life where the enemy would come and says, I want your wife. I want your children. I want this. Whatever is important to you in this life, at some point, at some time, the enemy is going to come and try to take those things from you. And it's during those times that you got to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is during those times that you have got to have a relationship with the Lord God Almighty because it is him and him alone who's going to save you. It is him and him alone who's going to do for you what you need done. And so as I begin to read through this story even more, and it didn't really surprise me at how quickly Ahab would, would decide to, to give away his wives and to give away his children, to give away his silver and his gold. The Bible says that the enemy comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so now, all of a sudden, Ahab has decided, I just want this besiegement to stop. I just want the enemy to go away. I just want the enemy to leave me alone. But it, is, it doesn't happen that easily. And then the Bible says that in, 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 in a matter of time, I don't know whether it was days, I don't know whether it was weeks, but he sent messengers again. And these messengers of the king of Syria... They came to Ahab again and they said, okay, Ahab, you've agreed to give us your children. You've agreed to give us your wives. You've agreed to give us your silver. You've agreed to give us your gold. Now my servants, they're going to come again and they're going to search your house. They're going to search the house of your servants. And they're going to look and they're going to spy out. Now, when I first read this, I thought, okay, and this is just the way it came across. It says, well, they're just going to, they're going to come into your house. I'm going to go to Q's house. I'm going to go into every room in his house, and I'm just going to see what I like, and I'm going to pack it up, and I'm going to leave. But that's not what the scripture says. He says, my messengers are going to come. They're going to search your house. They're going to search the houses of your servants. But this is what it says. Whatever is pleasant in your eyes. Not, what, not what's pleasant in their eyes, but what's pleasant in your eyes. And whatever there is in your house that you love, whatever it is that is in your house that's pleasant and pleasing to you, they're going to take that and they're going to bring it back to me. You see, sometimes it's not just 
You know, sometimes we figure we can just give this. Here, you can, you can take this. And all of those things that, that, that we love and that we cherish, we're, we're going to hold on to those things and those relationships and, and, and that job and all of those things that, that we want to protect for our own. But that's not what the scripture says. It says, my messengers are going to come and whatever's pleasant in your eyes, that's what they're going to take. Now, all of a sudden, Ahab's like, whoa, wait a minute. He gets his attention then. And sometimes that's what happens in our lives. Sometimes we're okay when the enemy comes in and, and takes a few things, maybe take a little money out of our pocket. We're, we're okay with that. Even take our children or even maybe our wife, our husband or, or our wife. We're, we're okay with that. But there are some things. There are some things that all of us cherish. There are some things that, that we're not willing. That there are some things that we don't want to give up. There are some things that, that we want to hold on to. There are some things that, that we want to continue to put before our relationship with God. There are some things that, that we, wanna just, we just want to keep for ourselves. And now all of a sudden Ahab is like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He says he wants my wives. I'm going to give him my wives. I'm going to give him my children. I'm going to give him my silver. I'm going to give him my gold. But now he's saying he wants to come into my house and he wants to take whatever's pleasant in mine eyes. So the scripture says that he calls for the elders. And he says, hey guys, listen. You know, I, 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 I've listened to this this enemy king who has besieged us and, and I'm willing to give him my wives and I'm willing to give him my children. I'm willing to give him my silver and my gold. But now he's saying he wants to send his servants and they're going to search out all of my house and they're going to take whatever's pleasant to me. Whatever things that I desire, whatever things that I want to, to keep for myself. He says he's going to take all of those things. The elders of Israel says, don't listen to him. Don't do it. At some point, you've got to stand up. And I want to say that to somebody in this place today. Sometime, at some point in your life, you've got to stand up. The enemies come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And at some point in your life, you've got to stand up. You've got to make a stand. You've got to fight. You've got to say, no, you're not taking one more thing. You may have taken my children. You have make, taken my wife. You may have taken some money out of my pocket, but you're not going to take anything else. And by the way, you're not going to have my wife. You're not going to have my children. You're not going to have my silver. You're not going to have my gold. You're not going to have anything. And you've got to stand up and you've got to fight for yourself. You've got to do something. It's easy sometimes to sit within the confines of our own life and says, I'm just going to let the enemy do what he wants to do. I'm just going to let life happen. Whatever happens, happens. You've got to decide that you're going to stand up. You've got to decide that I'm going to be obedient to the word of the Lord. You've got to decide that I'm going to change my situation. I'm going to change my circumstance in life. You've got to decide what you're going to do today. Now all of a sudden he sends back to Ahab or to, to Ben-Hadad and he says, I'm not doing it. I, I, I told you I was going to give you this and I was going to give you that. And I, you, were gonna, you could have my silver and gold, but, but now you just want to take anything you want, whatever is uh, pleasurable in mine eyes. And, and, and now all of a sudden Ben-Hadad is, is angry and he's upset and he's been drinking and, and all of the other kings and he tells the other kings to get your armies and to set them in array because tomorrow we're going to go out and we're going to fight against the children of Israel. But I like what the scripture says. The Bible says that a man of God, a prophet of God, he went to Ahab and he began to talk to Ahab and he says, Ahab, don't worry and I'm here today to tell you What's going on in your life? What's your situation? What's your circumstance? You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how you're going to get out of this situation. You're hurting. Maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe you, your job, you're not making up enough money. Your money's funny. I'm going to tell you today that God has sent a word for you that you are going to be victorious. And so the prophet... The man of God comes to Ahab and he says, Ahab, God is about to send you 
victory. God is about to deliver the Syrians into your hands. He's about to deliver King Ben-Hadad into your hands. He's about to deliver those 32 kings into your hand. And, and Ahab, you know Ahab is a wicked king. Ahab doesn't serve the Lord. It doesn't matter where you are right now. You may not be serving God. You may not be living for him. You may not have been obedient to his word. But the circumstances and situations in your life have gotten to the point where God has sent me to this place to tell you that he is about to bring deliverance to you. He is about to bring salvation to you. He's about to bring victory to you. All you've got to do is trust in the Lord. And so... Ahab says, how is God going to do it? What is God going to do? And, and he tells him, God's got 232 princes of the province. And they're going to lead about 7,000 men. And they're going to go out. And they're going to fight this host. And sure enough, on the next day, these 7,000 men led by 232 princes of the provinces, they go out. And when, when Ahab, he's been drinking, he's in the pavilion, the scripture says, with the other 32 kings, he's out partying at noonday. And, and, and all of a sudden, he hears that the armies of Israel are on the way. And here's what he says. He says, okay, get ready, go out. And he says this, whether they come in peace or whether they come in war, take them alive. He says, I want you to take them alive. So here's the situation. Here's the circumstance in your life. The enemy doesn't just want your stuff. He doesn't just want your children. He doesn't just want your silver. He doesn't just want your gold. Guess what he wants? He wants you. He says, take them alive. Take them alive take him alive. The enemy wants to take your life. He wants to use you for his benefit. He wants to use you to do his bidding. He wants to use you in a way that he can destroy not just you, but others. But I'm here today to tell you that just like God gave Israel the victory on that day, God can give you the victory today. But you've got to be willing to go out and fight. You've got to be willing to go out aside those walls that are surrounding You've got to be willing to go out and face the enemy. And, and the Bible says that, that, that a, uh, Ben-Hadad, they went up to Samaria to besiege it. And so that gives me a picture that they're in a high place. They're in a place that they had to travel upward. And so it is easy for us to fight when we're, when we're up, sometimes as Christians, when, when, when we're excited about what's going on in our lives, maybe our money's not funny. Maybe everything's going right in the job. Maybe everything's going right in our family, in our circumstances. My wife, she loves me and she takes care of me. Maybe my children are doing everything that's right. And, and maybe my boss has just told me I'm going to give you a promotion. Everything is going right in my life. And so it is at those times when the enemy comes, you're like, hey, bring it on. And you go out and you destroy it. You fight against the enemy. It's easy to win the battle when you're on top of the mountaintop. And so they went out and they defeated the enemy. They defeated Syria. They defeated the 32 kings that came with Ben-Hadad. And all of a sudden, those servants of Ben-Hadad, they come to him and they said, Hey, Ben-Hadad, this, this is what happened. Their God is the God of the hills. Their God is the God of the high places. But here's what I'm telling you we need to do. We need to prepare again, and we need to come back, and we need to fight them in the plain. We need to fight them in the low places. You see, this picture, I love this picture. It's easy when you're fighting a battle and you've got the high ground. Because the enemy is up constantly trying to, to get up to where you are. And, and, and you can just, just in, in Vietnam, there was, a, there was a hill called what Hamburger Hill. And, and we were trying to take that hill and we lost lives upon lives trying to take that hill. And eventually we, we took it. But, but there was a battle that ensued. There was something that took place. There was a lot of bloodshed that was there. It's easy to hold the ground when you're in the high place. It's easy to stand up for God when everything's going on in your life right and everything's good and everything's perfect and, and the preacher loves you and the Sunday school loves you and the, the wife loves you and, and everything's going right. It's easy to fight then. But, but what about those times in your life when you're in the, in the valley? 
when you're in the, the low places. We all have low places. I don't care who you are. You're going to have a low place in your life. Scripture says when they got the victory, the man of God comes back. And he says, Ahab, strengthen yourself. Because within a year, the king, the king of Syria, he's going to be back. Just because you got the victory one time doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to come back and fight you again. Just because you've got victory in this situation, in this circumstance, doesn't mean that you're not going to have to fight again. And this time, you may not be in a high place. You may not be where everything in your life is, is going on and they're going good and, and all of the things that, that, that you see in life is going the way that you want it to go. There's been plenty of times in my life where situations and circumstances have just turned me upside down and, and I didn't know and my kids and my family and my job. And situ I'm just, I don't know what to do. My church and, 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 and ministry all of those things has got me wondering God where are you but there is something that I knew that God is the same yesterday today and forever and so he tells Ahab you've got to prepare yourself so you can't wait until you get to the valley to decide that I'm going to prepare myself for battle. What happens when we're on the mountaintop, oftentimes we, we just sit back and we go, everything's good. I don't need to, to prepare. I don't need to, to worry about anything because from this point, I can look out and I can see for miles and miles and miles. And from this vantage point, there's no clouds in the air. There's no storm on the horizon. And everything looks good. But he tells Ahab, you need to strengthen yourself. You need to strengthen your defenses because the enemy is going to return. And sure enough, in a year's time, the scripture says, in the springtime, the king of Syria decides we're going back. And he strengthens himself. He replenishes his horses. He replenishes his chariots. And instead of 32 kings this time, he decides I'm going to reinforce them with captains. And we're going to go and we're going to catch them in the low point. We're going to catch them at that place where they don't have those, those high mountains. Because the God that they serve is the God of the hills and not the God of the valleys. Once again, the man of God shows up. And he goes to Ahab and he says, Ahab, because the Syrians have said that I am God of the hills only and not God of the valleys, I'm going to give you victory once again. And so it is with this that Ahab strengthens himself. And when Syria comes to fight against Israel, God gives them a great victory. You can't wait until you're in your valley. As I begin to think about that, I think I thought about David. Some of your greatest victories are going to be in the valley. I venture to say that your greatest, your greatest victory is going to be in your lowest points. I want to say that again. Your greatest victory is going to be in your lowest point. David finds himself on his way to see his brothers who are battling. Or who had set themselves in array to battle. But we know the story. The scripture says, it says, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. And I thought this was intriguing when I read it yesterday. It says, it says that they pitched by 
the valley of Elah. And they set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley in between them. Your greatest victory is going to happen in the valley. And so here David, he shows up. He's got some cheese, got some other snacks. He's going to see his brothers. And all of a sudden, he hears something. He hears a cry. He hears a challenge. Sometimes in our lives, we know there's a valley that's waiting for us. There's been situations in my life that I could look and I could tell there's a valley on the way. There's a circumstance and a situation that when it happens, it's going to take me into a place that I do not want to go. And so the battle, there was going to be a battle. Israel's on one side, the Philistines on the other side. There's a valley that separates them. And here's the champion of the Philistines, and he comes into the valley, and he cries out, and he challenges. I mean, he calls them out. He probably called them all kinds of names. Probably wasn't G or PG. And he challenges them, and all of a sudden, David hears the cry and the challenge from the valley. David decides, hey, I'm going to take this on. He didn't fret. He didn't worry. I want to tell you, maybe there's a valley on your, on your horizon. Maybe there's a valley that you can look and see. Maybe there's a cry from the enemy. There's a situation in your family that, that you just don't know how to, how to deal with. And, and, and it's easy for us. It's easy for us to sit or to stand in the high places and to look and to look down into the valley and to see the battle that's waiting for us. But if you're going to have victory, if you're going to see and experience the things that you want to see and experience in your life, you have got to go into the valley of Elah. And so David goes and he takes some stones and he puts them in his little pouch and he takes his sling and he goes out and you know the story he challenges Goliath and he slays him in the valley but his victory didn't start there it started before he ever got to the valley it started when he was in the backside of the desert it started when he was in the wilderness with those sheep. He started when he was looking up into the stars at night and he began to sing and to worship and to praise the Lord. There are battles that you're going to face. There are things that you're going to deal with that you can't wait till the battle comes to pray. You can't wait until those battles come to lift your hands and pray. It, see, this is what happens. We wait until we get into the valley. We wait until we get into those low points of life. And then we, we, that's why we find it so hard to pray. That's why we find it so hard to lift our hands to worship the Lord. But David had already prayed. He already praised the Lord. He already worshiped the Lord. He had already committed himself to the king of kings he had already seen the victorious hand of the lord and so when the valley came david was able to stand up he was able to take on that that giant he was able to defeat the giant he was able to receive victory for god's people i want you to stand to your feet today your greatest Victory is going to be in your valley. We're going to all have valleys. We're going to all have mountaintop experiences. I'm just like you.
I love the mountaintop. I love standing on the peak of that mountain with the wind blowing through my hair. I thought you were going to be with me. You, you laughed at me just like everybody else. I love it. I love it when the services are, are, are flowing and I can feel the presence of the Lord. I can feel the moving of the Holy Ghost. I can feel the God of eternity reach down and touch me. But there are times where I can walk through that door and I seem so low. All of the pressures of life weighing me down. You may not see it on my face. I may put one of those Pentecostal smiles on. Praise the Lord. There are times where on the inside, I'm hurting. I'm low. When I'm weak, then I can be strong through him. For it is not by might, nor by power, but it is by my spirit saith the Lord. It's a simple message today. God of the hills, God of the valleys, that same God that took you to the mountaintop, that same God that you experienced when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that same God that you experienced when he healed your body. That same God you experienced when he touched your children. That same God that you experienced when he put food in your cupboard. That same God that put money in your bank account. That same God that touched your mind. That same God that wiped away your tears. That same God that put joy on the inside. That same God. Where you're on the mountaintop, he's the same God when you're in the valley. He's the same God when you pray and it feels as though the heavens are made of brass. He's the same God that when you open up your Bible and you begin to read, it seems like it says nothing to you. It's the same God that when the preacher begins to preach and you're wondering, what is he talking about? That same God that when the doctor looks at you and says there's no hope that same God when your children look at you and says I don't have nothing to do with you or your God he's the same God when you're on the mountaintop and when you're in the valley low He's the same God when people turn their back on you. He's the same God that when people talk about you and despitefully use you. He's the same God that, that when people abuse you and do you wrong, He's the same God that loves you. He's the same God that cares for you. He's the same God that shed His blood for you. He's the same, same God that, that says, I want to take care. God of the valley, the mountain, God of the valley. I want you to close your eyes right now, and I want you to look back over your life. I want you to think about the hills, the mountains, and I want you to think about the valleys. Some of us maybe have more valleys than others. Have, may have more mountaintops than others. But we all have them. 
when you think about those valleys, think about how you got through. Think about those nights, those evenings where you said, I can't make it. There have been days and nights where I said, Lord, I, I can't make it. I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, you can begin to feel a little breeze. The sun begins to shine and you realize that things have gotten better. You begin to look around and realize that you're not in that same low point. You may be wondering how you got there. not by your own might. It's not by your own power. Sometimes the Lord moves in our lives and we don't even realize it. That's because he loves us. Even when we're doing wrong, Ahab was a wicked king. Ahab was wicked. look at the leaders of our world and we go, man, there are some wicked leaders. But none of them. Ahab was wicked. But yet God would bring him victory. Both in the mountains, the hills, and in his valleys. Lord is ministering to some in this room and I want to give you an opportunity to just allow the Lord to minister to you. We don't have to finish with a, with a flash or a bang. As long as the Lord ministers to you today, I do believe that there are some of us that are in some valleys. We didn't know how we were going to get out of it. But he's the same God. He's the same God. In the mountaintops and in the valleys. Your greatest victory is going to be this altar for a moment you can come these altars are open don't worry about the besiegement don't worry about the enemy that surrounded you not going to be victorious. We serve a God. We serve a great God. 